the uh, uh, to the capabilities uh, to uh, the ability that a person has uh, in uh, terms of uh, giving. Uh, that there be no gatherings when I come. End of uh, verse uh, 2. Uh, end of uh, uh, verse uh, 2. Uh, why did Paul uh, say uh, that uh, uh, he doesn't tell us exactly? He doesn't say, I don't want any gatherings when I come because of A, B, C, uh, X, Y, uh, X, Y, Z. Um, so some people think of particular ideas regarding why he said this. Uh, perhaps he wanted to avoid giving uh, uh, an impression that when he involved, he would be uh, when he came, he would be involved in pressuring people, twisting uh, arms. Uh, Perhaps he didn't want people to give when he came as if they would wait in order to give and he would know about it more so they would be showing off uh, in front of him, trying to impress him. Uh, perhaps he preferred to know less and less about which person gave which amount so that he would come and someone would say, we've given so much as a total, and that would be uh, what he would know about and not any, uh, not, uh, any further uh, details. Uh, perhaps he had the idea that if people gave regularly, that they would end up giving more, as opposed to when I come and then people give in a one-time way versus giving in a more regular way for a long period uh, of, uh, of time. Perhaps when he came, uh, perhaps when he came, there would not be that much time uh, in order to carry out the gathering of what people were willing uh, to give. Uh, look at verse 6. It says, it may be that I will abide and winter with you. There was a certain time when people would travel related to the weather. We'll talk about this uh, a little bit more. Maybe you have the idea that when I come to you, there will be a relatively short time period, a relatively short window when people can go to Jerusalem. And so I want the gathering to be done uh, so that when I come, the gift is ready to be sent because there might not be that much time uh, to uh, uh, send it. That there be no gatherings when I, uh, when I come. Uh, <clears throat> it is clear that Paul the Apostle intended uh, to, uh, to visit the Corinthians uh, again. Uh, if we go back to First uh, Corinthians chapter four and verse eighteen. First Corinthians four eighteen. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly. Also, First Corinthians four twenty one. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of uh, meekness? 
First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 34, after he spoke about communion, Lord's Supper, and uh, the problems that were related to that in uh, Corinth. First uh, Corinthians 11 and verse 34, And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto judgment, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Uh, uh, when I come. Now, it seems like the travel plans that he had uh, changed, and it seems like some people were critical of him for changing his plans. And again, we'll come to this uh, shortly in more detail. But for now, let's read Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter one, and verses fifteen through seventeen. Second uh, Corinthians one fifteen. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that ye might have a second benefit, and to pass by you into Macedonia, and to come again out of Macedonia unto you, uh, and of you to be brought on my way towards Judea. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness, or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, uh, nay. Uh, later on, when his plans changed, and we'll talk about uh, what happened, uh, he felt the need to defend himself against uh, criticism. Uh, I was not fickle. I was not vacillating. Uh, uh, the verse uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 1 uh, could be translated in this way. <coughs> I don't say yes and no at the same time. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 3. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters... Them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. He's not telling them you have to give so much amount. Uh, he's not dictating to them uh, in that uh, way. And he's not telling them, I think that this person and this person among you are good people to accompany uh, this gift and deliver it to uh, Jerusalem, so they are going to go. Uh, in this matter also, uh, they have the choice, uh, they have uh, the freedom and the responsibility, uh, whosoever you will uh, approve, uh, whosoever the church chooses will act as the representative of the church uh, in this particular effort, in this particular uh, uh, project. Uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, verse 18. And we have sent with him the brother, uh, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches, to travel with us, with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord, and to show our ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us 
providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of uh, men. Uh, he was chosen of the churches to travel uh, with us. Uh, whoever you approve, uh, whoever you uh, approve, um, will be, uh, uh, whoever you approve by your letters, uh, by your letters. Now, actually here, uh, the translation that we use doesn't do a very good job. Uh, here's another rendering of the verse. When I arrive, whomever you approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. The language... Uh, in the original, is not very precise regarding these letters, and it allows for two possibilities. The letters could be from Paul, or they could be from the Church of Corinth. Uh, our translation says your letters, and that points to the possibility that the Church of Corinth would write letters regarding these individuals whom they had chosen. But actually, many people think that the other option is more likely, that Paul would be the one writing uh, letters. Uh, uh, writing letters. Now, why is that the more likely option regarding this, uh, this point? Verse 3, he says... The people whom you've chosen, I will send them with your gift to Jerusalem. And that's where he mentions the letters. And then verse 4 he says, if it's suitable, then I will go with them. So one way or the other, the people who have been chosen by the church, they are going to go. Verse 3 is where Paul is considering the possibility that they will go and he will not accompany them. Verse 4, he's considering the possibility that they will go and he will accompany them. Now, where are the letters mentioned? They are mentioned in verse 3, where the possibility under consideration is that the representatives of the church will go and that Paul will not be going with them. Now, in this case, the case of someone from Corinth and someone from Thessalonica and someone from Ephesus and someone uh, from uh, uh, another city, in the case that people would go and Paul would not be going with them, does it make more sense that they bear letters of introduction from their churches or from Paul? Who is better known to the Church of Jerusalem? Paul or the Church of Corinth? The one who is better known is Paul. Uh, who is better known to the Church of Jerusalem? Uh, Paul or the Church of Thessalonica? Paul. <laughs> uh, so it makes sense that Paul would be uh, the one uh, who would be writing letters of introduction in case he was not going uh, himself. Look at some places where he actually did that in uh, the letters that we have. 
Uh, for instance, Romans 16 and verse 1. I commend unto you, to who? I commend to you believers in the city of Rome, uh, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant uh, of the church which is at Kenecria. Uh, in the passage that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if Timothy come, verse 10, uh, then see that he serves among you without fear. See that you welcome him and make him uh, comfortable. Um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 3. Now here he's not uh, recommending someone, but he's speaking of himself and he mentions letters of recommendation. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of uh, the heart." Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 23. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Uh, and the glory of Christ. So we see Paul in various places commending individuals. Uh, Phoebe. Uh, some people believe that uh, Phoebe might have taken the letter to the Romans from Corinth to uh, uh, Rome. She was the bearer uh, of, uh, of the uh, letter. And uh, others, as we saw, Timothy and Titus and other uh, workers. Uh, so, when I come, whoever you approve, will go with letters. That's, that's a better translation, where the letters could be from the church or from Paul, but as we've said, more likely from Paul. Whoever you approve will go with letters and bear your gift to uh, Jerusalem. Interesting little uh, historical uh, note. Paul, being very careful, very cautious, as we've uh, already read, providing things honest before the Lord and in the sight of man, a very an interesting little historical note. In the year 19, year 19 was before the time of the writing of uh, this letter, quite some time before the writing of this letter. First uh, Corinthians written around the year 55, so the year 19, you're talking about 36 years or so. Uh, is that correct? Six months, I mean. Yes. <laughs> All right. 36 years or so. The year 19, uh, under the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius, who followed Augustus, uh, Caesar. Uh, the Jews were expelled from the city of Rome. Uh, the city of Rome. Um, now, 
why were they expelled from the city of Rome in the year 19? According to the Jewish historian Josephus, there was a certain Roman lady, a member of the aristocracy, whose name was Fulvia. Fulvia was attracted to the message of the Old Testament. She was attracted uh, to uh, 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 what was found in the Old Testament scriptures. Some people came and deceived her and told her, why don't you make a contribution which we will carry to the temple in Jerusalem? And she gave them a certain amount of money, and it didn't go to the temple in Jerusalem. <laughs> it went to their pockets. All right? <laughs> Basically, it went to their, uh, their pockets. That's the idea. Maybe they were Lebanese. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, she was apparently uh, 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 honest and straightforward. Uh, she was impressed by the message of the Old Testament. Here and there, there were Gentiles who were impressed by the message of the Old Testament and influenced by it. And people told her, why don't you send a contribution to the church in Jerusalem? And since she was inclined uh, uh, in that direction, she put money in their hands, thinking that they would take it to Jerusalem and put it uh, uh, in the temple, and instead they put it in their pockets. Uh, now Josephus says that that is the reason why the Jews were expelled from the city of Rome in AD 19. Now there are some other things that are mentioned regarding that expulsion, so uh, it's not like we know for sure, absolutely, absolutely, that this story that I just mentioned is true. But it's possible. It's possible that it was true. It's possible that some 30 years or uh, uh, close to 40 years before the writing of 1 Corinthians, it's possible that there was a big scandal in Rome which had to do with people saying, give money, we'll take it to Jerusalem, and they didn't do it. And so that if it entered the picture in any way, it would have made Paul be all the more, what, cautious, try to do things properly, clearly, so that there wouldn't be any, uh, any question. The idea was not, give me Paul and I will take it. He had worked out a plan where people from the churches would be involved, there's a, there might have been a reason for that as well, not just uh, to make sure that everything was above board and, and uh, everything was clear. There might have been another reason for that. We'll come. Uh, in fact, right now, and not we'll come to it right, uh, uh, right now, the representatives of the churches going for things to be straightforward and clear and plain. But it might also have been for another uh, reason. Um, Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter uh, 2. 
And let's read from verse 1 to verse 5. Then fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them who were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in secretly to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection? No, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Titus accompanying Paul in this visit to Jerusalem. What is Paul interested in doing? Yes, there is the need of the believers in Jerusalem. But he's also interested in bringing together in a closer and stronger unity believers from a Jewish background, believers from a Gentile background. He goes to Jerusalem. This is an earlier time, an earlier visit. He takes with him Titus. He wants Titus to be with him so that the believers from a Jewish background will see this believer who is from a Gentile background, will accept him, and this will help to promote what? Greater unity between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. So, you believers in Corinth, I encourage you to give. You appoint someone. Believers in Thessalonica, I encourage them to give. Believers in Philippi, believers in uh, Ephesus, believers in other places, and each one choose a person and these individuals will go to Jerusalem. Gentile believers. Paul could show up and he could tell them there is fruit among the Gentiles. He could tell them there are so many believers. But isn't it a bit more effective for him to show up? Here are five or six people with him whom they can see people who are believers, people who uh, uh, are uh, steadfast in the faith, people who are assisting Paul the Apostle, people who are coming a certain distance from their churches to Jerusalem to uh, deliver this gift, people who are Gentiles but believers in Jerusalem being received, welcomed by the believers in Jerusalem so that they could become more familiar with this fact and more receiving of it, that the message of the gospel was not just for people from the Old Testament background, but also for uh, the Gentiles. So, <clears throat> and if it is suitable, verse 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 15.4, if it is suitable that, God, that I go also, they shall go with me. Remember, this is the possibility 
that they are going to go and I'm going to go with them. And I'm going to go uh, with them. Now, if it is suitable, appropriate, advisable, if it is fitting, then I will go uh, with them. Now, why is it that Paul says if it's suitable? Again, we are are not told exactly why uh, he says if it's suitable, uh, if it is uh, suitable. People, therefore, speculate. Um, Some people uh, say uh, that Paul had a certain caution. Paul knew that he was not universally admired in Jerusalem, even among believers, because of this Jewish-Gentile thing, and because he was the apostle who more than any other bore the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul may have felt maybe it's a good idea for me to go, maybe it's not a good idea. What could have played a part as well? Suppose that they gather this amount of money. And this amount of money turns out maybe not to be a large amount. Maybe Paul would say, okay, you guys go ahead and take it. Because guess what? If it's not a large amount, we still want to take it. But it's not going to create a very positive impression, if I'm there, you know, and and they don't respond very well to me, and the gift itself is not so substantial, the whole thing might not work out. Maybe if the gift is substantial, uh, it will create a good deal of, uh, of uh, it will create a good amount of, of good favor, and, and so I can be there as well, and even if some people don't like me, all right, the whole thing will work out because the gift is substantial. And some people say that. Some people think in another way and say, uh, if it is suitable or appropriate for me to go, also thinking about the size of the gift, but now thinking in another way, a practical way. What is taking money from one place to another in those days? Wire transfer? No. Writing a check? Giving someone a credit card? Taking money from one place to another in those days is taking money, and it's not notes. It's likely something like gold or silver. All right? Now, suppose that this gift is a big gift which is, of course, what Paul was hoping for and what we would hope for if we were in his place. If you send a small number of people taking a big gift, you're going to have someone carrying a big, heavy bag of gold. What's the problem with that? The problem is there are thieves and robbers along the way. (laughs) And... uh, If someone is carrying a big, heavy bag of gold, it becomes relatively obvious that he's carrying a big, heavy bag, and he's not lugging stones from one place to another. So if it turns out that the gift is substantial, 
there is a greater need for a greater number of people so that uh, you'll divide it into a smaller, into a, a larger number of portions and each portion will be smaller so that there'll be nobody lugging a big bag on his back, on his back. Now someone might say, well, he doesn't have to lug a big bag on his back. They can get some beast of burden, a donkey. Still, it would be very obvious. Still, it would be perhaps more evident to the eye than you might like. You might, than you might like. What you want is a bunch of people who are able to do what? Who are able to put stuff, so to speak, in their pockets. All right? Now, <laughs> pockets, jacket, inside, something like that, as opposed to carrying something in a very visible way, carrying something in a very visible way increases the chance that someone will become a target. Uh, increases the chance that someone will uh, become uh, a target. Uh, so, if it is suitable, appropriate, if it's a good idea for me to go, if I can go and I can be helpful, all right? If it's helpful for me to go, uh, uh, then I want to go. Then I want to go. Whether in terms of the practicalities of carrying an amount or in terms of I don't want to create a, 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 a negative impression or cause a problem. Eventually, when he went to Jerusalem, there was actually there was a, a problem. It was not an easy situation to deal with. Uh, to deal with. We, we don't hear of any trouble along the way, uh, uh, so we don't hear of anything that has a bearing on that second possible uh, explanation or way of thinking. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia. Now what happens is uh, he uh, sets aside the subject of the giving project. Uh, he sets aside that subject and now he's talking more about his travel uh, plans. Where was he at that time, at the time that 1 Corinthians was written? Verse 8, I will tarry at Ephesus. Uh, I will tarry at uh, Ephesus. Uh, the plan is that I want to come to you. We read the verses from chapter 4, from uh, chapter uh, 11 uh, uh, as well. Um, I will come to you, and I will come to you through Macedonia. All right? Remember, where is Ephesus? If you think of Turkey, like a big rectangle, all right? Ephesus is over there, the west of Turkey. All right? You have the Aegean Sea, and on the other side is Greece. And Corinth is towards the south of Greece. I will come to you through Macedonia means what? means that I'm not going to go straight line in a ship across the Aegean Sea to Corinth. I'm going to go up into Macedonia and then go south in Greece until I reach you uh, in Corinth. Now, here and there, he would still need to travel by ship. Uh, he would still need to travel by ship, but his plan at the point when he was writing was not to go straight across. His, his plan was to go north and west into Macedonia. Who was in Macedonia? At least three churches, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. 
so I want to go into uh, Macedonia. Uh, I want to pass through Macedonia. Now, pass through doesn't mean that he's only going to stay overnight, but the idea is that he would stay in Macedonia, in Philippi, and Thessalonica, and Berea, that he would stay a relatively short uh, time, that he wasn't planning as he made the trip. This was the plan. He wasn't planning on staying a prolonged time, a lengthy time, in uh, Macedonia. Uh, notice how he says, uh, I pass through uh, Macedonia, and then he says, I will abide, verse 6. I will abide uh, with uh, you. So passing through is spending a short time. Abiding is spending a longer time. Verse 7, he says, I will not see you by the way. I don't want to see you in passing for a short time. My plan is to see you for a long time, uh, to pass through Macedonia, short time in Macedonia, and coming to you to stay with you for a certain period to winter uh, with you, uh, to winter uh, with you. Like I said, uh, not necessarily crossing the sea directly, uh, going around still, Still, he would need to travel by ship at certain points. He would need to travel by ship from Turkey over to the other side. And certain portions of northern Greece to southern Greece, the terrain is very rugged and people would get in a ship and go by sea. Uh, so even if you're going along uh, a route that is perhaps mostly land, you would still travel by sea maybe short distances, but you'd still travel by sea. Now, it is the travel by sea in particular that has to do with a person, quote-unquote, wintering. In those days and times, from around mid-September, from around the middle of uh, September, uh, the Mediterranean people didn't, people didn't travel by sea that much. Uh, so, as you're getting into what we would call the fall or autumn, uh, travel by sea would become much, much less than uh, before. You have storms. Another thing, you have longer nights, and some, maybe many, depending on the situation of those nights, would be overcast. And when it is overcast, what does it mean? No direction. Because the navigation was by what? The navigation was by the stars by night. And also, to some extent, the sun by day. Uh, remember the storm later on when he was a prisoner and going to Rome? It says, when neither sun nor stars for many days appeared. We lost all hope. <laughs> all hope that we would be saved was taken away. Now, of course, that tells you of the severity and the length of the storm. But actually, it might also tell us of the fact that they were completely floundering in terms of knowing what direction to go. No sun and no stars. No navigation. Uh, uh, so, I will come to you 
and I will uh, winter with, uh, with you. Now, did this actually turn out the way that he planned? His description of his uh, travel plans. I'm going to go through Macedonia, stay there a short time, come to you, abide with you, and winter with you. And winter uh, uh, with you. His travel plans, as I already mentioned, uh, changed in uh, some way. Changed in some way. And he had to defend himself, some people criticizing him for changing his, uh, his plans. Notice two verses in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 12:14 says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. This is the third time that I am coming to you. This is the third time. All right? Now, 2 Corinthians is written from where? Let's look at some uh, verses uh, uh, quickly in 2 Corinthians and also in Acts. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the, of the Lord, I had no rest. In my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from there into Macedonia. Second Corinthians seven five. Second Corinthians seven five. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without there were fightings; within there were fears. Second Corinthians eight one. Moreover, brethren, ye, uh, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 4. Lest somehow if they of Macedonia come with me. Come with me. Alright. Acts chapter 19 and verse 21. Acts chapter 19 and verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, and Achaia to go to uh, Jerusalem. Acts chapter 20 and the beginning of the chapter, Paul called to him the disciples, he embraced them, and he departed to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece, that means the southern part of Greece, and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through uh, Macedonia. All right. So what actually happened in terms of his travel plans? His plan, as it is expressed here, is, I'm going to go through Macedonia rather quickly, and come to you and stay with you for a period of time. Then in 2 Corinthians, we see that plan 
being put into effect. In the sense that he's coming to them and he's coming from Macedonia. And that's what you see as well in the book of Acts. Except for one thing. Which is that in 2 Corinthians he says, this is now the third time that I'm going to come to you. Alright? So put that together. Here's what people conclude. Here he's saying, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come through Macedonia, spend some time there, and then stay with you for a lengthy period of time. Pass through those areas relatively quickly. Stay a long time with you. Alright? Apparently something caused him to visit Corinth quickly. Maybe faster than he expected when he was writing this. So that there was a change of plans. Maybe he heard there was some terrible thing going on in the church. He heard that there was some problem of a serious nature. And so, a lot of people believe that he made, so to speak, an emergency visit to Corinth. And there is reason to think from the second letter of Corinthians that that emergency visit didn't go well. That they weren't very receptive, that they weren't very welcoming, that they weren't very accommodating. That the relationship between him and them somehow became more strained. Here in 1 Corinthians, it is somewhat strained. It might have become more strained. So he made, as I was saying, possibly an emergency visit to Corinth, trying to deal with some serious problem that had come up. Possibly that visit didn't go well, and so he went back to Ephesus. And from Ephesus... He might have written to them, and then eventually he said, I'll go and visit them again, but he wrote Second Corinthians while he was on the way, while he was in Macedonia. And he said, this is the third time. Alright? So there must have been a second time. The second time is the emergency visit that people speculate took place. And things didn't go well, and so he waited after that a while and communicated by them with letter to try to fix things, so to speak, from afar, so that when he came to them the third time, it wouldn't be somehow a lousy visit like the second visit, the emergency visit. All right? Having made a quick visit and it didn't go well, he stayed away from them for a certain time and communicated with them by letter, preparing the way to go. And when he went, it was through Macedonia, so on as he had planned. So eventually, he did take that route through Macedonia and down into the southern part of Greece, but he took it probably later than he was planning. And what intervened was another visit of some kind. Another visit of some kind. Various little indications in 
Second Corinthians point to that second visit having been not such a good visit in terms of how it worked out when when it was made uh, when uh, it uh, uh, it was made um, so that is an idea of what developed afterwards and a number of these things of course are based on uh, what is mentioned in second, uh, second Corinthians. It may be that I will abide, First Corinthians 16 and verse 6, and winter with you so that you may bring me on uh, in uh, my uh, journey, so that you will bring me on in, in my uh, journey. Uh, let me just mention one thing here uh, uh, quickly. Paul the Apostle more than one place, we'll look at these verses, you get the idea that when he stayed in a certain city, in a certain place, for a time, you get the idea that he worked himself using what? His ability, remember, tent making. Alright? He worked to take care of his own needs, so that nobody would say he's profiting, benefiting, uh, he's in it for the money, that kind of thing. Uh, that kind of thing. Not desiring in any way to be a burden or somehow an obstacle or anyone would misunderstand and that would somehow become an, uh, an offense. But one thing that he does say here, and apparently this is what uh, he did, and he mentions it in some of the letters, we'll read specific verses next time, Lord willing. One thing that was common you go, let's say, to visit Corinth. And while you stay in Corinth, his way of doing things, and, and they were critical of him for it, and he defended himself. We saw that in chapter 9 in particular. Uh, he worked to take care of himself and those who were with him, and uh, those who uh, uh, were with him. But he expected, and this was apparently the habit, the custom, that when he was about to leave Corinth, they would do what? They would help him materially in terms of the expenses of his journey to get to the next place. To get to uh, uh, the next place. The expenses of his journey, because again, when he got to the next place, it seems that his way of doing things was to find work there. But they would help him in terms of sending him forth, in terms of the expenses associated in an, in an immediate way with his travel. And that's what he's referring to at the end of verse 6, that he may bring me on my uh, journey uh, wherever I uh, go. Now, the things that he mentions in verse 6, both the abiding and the bringing, he mentions them not as compelling them, you must. He says that I may be with you and I may abide. And this is the language of politeness, most likely. It, most likely he's telling them, I would like to stay with you and I would like you to, when I leave, help me on my way. But he's leaving it up to them and not uh, couching it as a command, uh, as a, a command, not uh, uh, using the imperative if they want him to abide he will abide if they don't want him to abide he won't abide 
if they want to send him on his way, that would be kind of them, and that's something that he's anticipating. But if they don't want to send him on his way, then that's something that he'll, you know, deal with and uh, and accept. Uh, uh, and uh, accept. Uh, I don't want to see you, by the way. Verse 7, I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permits. And I will tarry at Ephesus because there's a ministry there and there are enemies. Then he goes ahead and speaks of uh, Timothy and uh, uh, Apollos. Uh, and Apollos uh, uh, speaks of things uh, concerning them, which we'll consider, Lord willing, uh, next time. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your, your word. We thank you for your servant, uh, Paul, uh, his desire uh, that the Gentile believers be aware of the needs among the Jewish believers and that the Gentile believers with the means that they enjoyed at the time and the greater prosperity that they had compared to the people in, Jer in Jerusalem would be able to help. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to love one another, to be aware of the needs of one another, uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, your children would have a unity in those days, Jew and Gentile, greatly divided from each other and hostile, yet brought together as believers, as one uh, in the church of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to provide for things in a way uh, that is right and uh, true and, uh, and honest. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to think of how we can do things in times uh, to come, even as your servant Paul was thinking, I want to go to Macedonia, I want to go and uh, see you again. We pray that you put it in our hearts to, uh, have, um, to have a desire to serve you and to serve you well, not just here and now, but as we move forward, if the Lord will, and according to wisdom and guidance which you provide. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.